Welcome to the Love is Coming podcast, the must-listen show for single women struggling to attain or sustain a romantic relationship. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, author, speaker, and according to the Times Magazine, one of the UK's most successful love coaches. Before that, I was a serial cheat and obsessive love addict, but I'm now a bride-to-be and in the best relationship of my life. So, If you're trying to do the work on your love life, you are definitely in the right place. But here on the Love is Coming podcast, we serve your education with a side of entertainment. Expect serious stuff talked about not so seriously, solo Agonian episodes with yours truly, and guest episodes showcasing some of the best in the biz in ways you've never seen them before. So, got a dating dilemma? Swiping right but haven't yet found Mr. Right? then let's get raw, real, and a little bit inappropriate because love is coming for you, baby, in more ways than one. Hello, hello, my loves. Welcome to this super exciting episode of the Love Is Coming podcast with me, your host, Persia Lawson, and my very dear friend, Melissa Wells. Melissa, how are you doing? Oh my gosh, darling. I'm so honored and happy to be here with you. I'm so happy to be here with you. We've done, we've interviewed each other a lot over the years. And um, I'm like, Mel doesn't have a clue. Before we, actually, before I go into that, let me just tell you who Mel is. If you don't know her, I don't know where you've been living under a rock. Mel is a certified eating psychology coach. She's a health coach. And she is also, and this is the most exciting bit for me right now, she's a sex, love and relationships coach specializing in women's sexuality. Now, she doesn't know that this episode is actually called How to Be the Sexiest Woman in any room well sassy and (laughs) it's so spicy isn't it so I I really want to like we talk we've talked with each other a lot about the deep stuff when it comes to relationships um I actually coached Mel back in the day Mel has been a huge uh, tower of support and inspiration for me in all sorts of ways over the years as well but there is an area that she is definitely more experienced at me uh, at, and that is it's around sex. It's around sexuality. Um, this is, you know, you're creating such incredible content around uh, and conversation around this topic. And um, and I really feel like now is the time, like now is the time to, like the world needs to hear this message more than ever before. So we're going to start, in fact, I need my phone for this. We're actually going to kick off, Mel. Mm-hmm. I don't think you will have done this before. I want to hear your, usually this is your love story, but I don't, I want to hear your sex story, your love sex story, interpret that as you will, in, in a 60 second summary. Bloody hell. A 60 second summary, yeah. Don't overthink it, babe. Your love sex story, just go with it. You go mean, with whatever comes out, starting my, in. My, my personal one or me and Rick? Whatever. Whatever, however you want to go with it. I, I, I don't really mind. You, you and Rick, doesn't matter. Starting in three, two, one, go. Um, so I was, I grew up with very open parents who raised me to be happy to talk about sex with my, with my mum. Got very used to seeing my parents walking around the house naked, which was, um, you know, normal. So it meant that when I was growing up and going through puberty and starting to become, um, you know, starting to feel turned on for the first time and wanting to start having sex with my long-term boyfriend, I wanted to come to my mum. I wanted to come to my mum to talk about sex all the time. So um, this is not very good. <laughs> like, uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh my God, I'm so... <laughs> this is why I love doing this, because everyone's like, ah! Um, 17 seconds. I have always loved sex however I feel that it's a crying shame that most women feel a lot of shame and embarrassment and judgment for themselves and their body around it and I feel that we are here to be the change ding 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 (laughs) oh my god beautiful (laughs) (laughs) everyone's everyone says that but I listen I know it's re- it's really stressful, isn't it? It's really stressful. But no, you've got a lot of things in there. That, <laughs> the pressure. You've got a lot of things in there that um, I want to dive deeper into. Because what's interesting about the, the transition that your work has taken is that you started talking about women's bodies, women's relationships with their bodies um, from the lens of, you know, disordered eating, which is what you'd experienced. And now it's like, you you know, you kind of 
I want to say you mastered that, you know, you helped, you've helped so many women in that area. And now your work is very focused around, you know, helping women connect with their sexuality. And, and, and I think, like you said, there's, this is such an area of shame uh, for so many different reasons. But when it comes to this idea of like feeling, you know, like the sexiest woman in any room, which I believe all that means is to be the sexiest woman in any room, you just have to be the most true version of yourself, like, and be in alignment with your sexuality. But obviously, there are so many blocks to that. Um, I feel like the world, the patriarchal system that we we exist in has has basically does everything it can to make women feel ashamed. And uh, like if so, if, for example, if you do feel like the sexist woman in any room, you're conceited, you're arrogant. Um, If you feel good about your body, if you feel like if you feel like sexy and seductive, then you've got to be ashamed of that. Like it just feels like that shame comes in at every angle. So what what are your thoughts around this? Well, yeah, everything you've shared is is absolutely right. You know, there's a lot of confusion around how sexy we are allowed to be, how sexy we are allowed to feel. And, you know, we've really been taught women, are, you, you know, you're supposed to be sexy, but not too sexy. You, you don't look like a slut. Don't be like a slut. You know, you're asking for it, but also show a bit of cleavage and, you know, you know, be sexy. And, you know, the, the way that we have, uh, you know, that we have porn, we have, you know, glamour modeling and these kind of sexy things that we've grown up seeing and being, you know, this thing of like, oh, this is what men want. This is what, or this is what people want. Right. So it's very confusing for women, but like, I think the, the main, one of the main points that I really want to drive home here is that sexy is not about how you look. It's about how you feel. It's about feeling sexy, not looking sexy. And, but the key is when you feel sexy, you will naturally look sexier. Right. So it's, um, we really got to take, try and take it as, as I've always, you know, as you said, I've always been teaching women about how to love their bodies. And it's the exact same conversation. When, when we think about loving our bodies, we think I've got to love the way it looks in the mirror. It's the wrong way to love our bodies. We've actually got to stop looking out there and actually look within and pay attention to how we feel in our bodies and love them that way love how we get Mm. to feel like pay attention to how we get to cherish our bodies like we've got to keep taking it inwards right um pay attention to how our bodies feel how they like to be moved um you know how they like to be nourished how they like to be treated and talked to right and when we do that what we see in the mirror naturally changes because a we're seeing it through a completely different lens so what we see does transform because we're seeing it differently. And B, when we truly love our bodies and we're really cherishing them, then our bodies do reflect that. We do start to change. Our bodies start to become healthy and naturally. So same conversation with sexuality. We have been taught that sexy is something that we should look like and it's something that we should do in order to perform um, and be good at being be good at sex uh, be good at performing for our partners, be good at pleasuring our partners. And we've never been taught that sexy is actually a feeling that we can generate from within using our sexual energy, which is our life force energy, not an evil energy, not a sinful energy. It's the energy that we all came into this world through, right? So it's actually a very divine, uh, primal, natural energy um but we're we're so focused on how we look that we're not focused on how we feel and how we can start to work with uh work with our sexual energy and actually connect to it because a lot of people when they first started connecting to their sexual energy was when they were in their teenagers and they were shut down whether maybe they had an experience where they you know maybe alcohol was involved maybe they made some uh you know made some choices where where they felt shame and regret afterwards maybe they were not honored they didn't honor their body consent wasn't honored um you know and and I think depending on your childhood and if you grew up with parents or in a setting where you did feel open to talk about sex or if it was just something that was just shut down in your household we don't talk about that silence or you know worse you know people that grew up in in households where it's considered a sin and bad, then 
it's like as soon as we started to try and connect with our sexual energy as young adults, it was shut down and we started to learn all of the bullshit around it, all of the conditioning, all of the layers, which just which just slot on top of each other, as with everything else in this universe that we have to unlearn so that we can remember our true nature, which is our pussies, our yonis are magical. There's a reason why we squirm and cringe at those words. It's because we weren't given any words for them. You know, we were taught that men and boys had penises and willies. Where, like, what was it for girls? We had a multitude of different words. It was shameful. It was embarrassing. It was, um, you know, masturbation was something that boys did and not something that girls did. It's a real, there's so much to unpack here, babe. There's so much to unlearn so that we can really remember the truth and the magic of our vaginas, our womb space and our sexual energy, which can actually be healing for us, can be healing for our, um, our traumas, our relationships and for future generations that come after us. I think it's really important that we start waking this part of our bodies up. We can talk about loving your body, but if we're ignoring that part of us, that sacred holy part of us between our thighs, then are we really loving our body if we're missing the most magical part of it? that creates life, that creates yeah. life. Do you know what? It's so funny, Mel. You've already, it's like you knew. <laughs> the end segment of the podcast is called, and we're just going to have to go to it right now. We'll obviously come back, we'll circle back around, but it's called Name That Genital. <laughs> and in all honesty, the reason, I, the reason I'm like, it's just for my own filthy sense of humor, because like when me, <laughs> when Joe and I started dating, he kept referring to his Willie as his like, his John Thomas, his Prince Philip. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. And I just found it hilarious. And me and my friend were talking about it in the pub about like everyone having different, like different names for, for our genital. But like, like for example, me and my sister called it a mini. And I don't know who, to, I don't know if that was my mom or my grandma, but I do think it's like an interesting conversation about like naming it. Like, for example, I, there, there's like Fanny, Minge. I hate both of those words. I think it, Minge just sounds like, it sounds horrible, but like, why is there such um like why do we why for example it, the word pussy is so used in derogatory way like if you call a man a pussy mm-hmm. you're putting him down mm-hmm. and and you're told to grow a pair of balls but actually balls are like like a pussy's way stronger than a balls you fucking like flick a ball it's like you know it's like like goes back up inside <laughs> I want to know, what did you call your your lady bits when you were growing up? Do you know what? When I was growing up, I was taught that it was just a wee-wee hole. It was just somewhere to wee. And um, even, go on there. Yeah, and even when I grew up and went through puberty, I still didn't have a name for it. Even when I started having sex. I didn't have a name for it, you know, even with my first boyfriends and, you know, people that I was um, having pleasurable times with, I didn't, we didn't talk about it. It was just, we just Mm. do this. We just have sex, but we don't talk about what we're doing. So I never felt the need to have a name for it. Right. Um, And then, yeah, yeah, I guess like. But did you have a name for a willy? Of course. Lots of names that just felt completely um, void of shame, you know, obviously penis, cock, willy, dick. Um, Obviously, some are more, some are more, feel more enjoyable to use than others. But um, definitely the word pussy was like one that kind of always felt like this naughty word. And I would use it sometimes if I was like, you know, sexy texting someone, and it was like so sordid and filthy and dirty, and I felt quite naughty mm. using it. And then it was only really when I discovered Regina Thomas Howard's work, Mama Gina, and her New York Times bestseller, Pussy, and I was like, oh my god, I cannot believe that. Firstly, an author. Secondly, a Hay House author is using is got a book called Pussy. And then I cannot, mm. like, this is, this is remarkable. Like I have to read this and it was so triggering, but I, but I managed to, managed to get myself a copy. And 
you know, when I, when I was reading it and, you know, very grateful to actually, I interviewed her on, on my podcast and she was talking all about how, when, when that part of you has no name, it has no power. You can't connect to the power because if you don't have a name and you're always trying to hide it, then you will never know the full power of what's really possible um, with 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 your pussy. So she's really created this movement of like really reclaiming that word. And so I try and use that word um, as much as I can now. But I also really like the word yoni, which um, I believe is a Sanskrit word for like. God, I can't actually remember what it is, but it's a beautiful Sanskrit word for like some beautiful like te- uh, temple of something. I don't know, but it's it, it's you know obviously it's it's yoni. So it's like a lot of people when I use use these words with my clients, a lot of people prefer yoni. A lot of people really just like to reclaim pussy because it's like such like mm. pussy pussy like, and then just actually yeah. saying it is like it's quite shocking to people. So it's it's quite fun. <laughs> Not sure. I was, I was like, well, you know what? I feel like we can't have this conversation without talking about the other word that is like not just the most derogatory word or uh, to be used for that part of us, but is just like an like the worst word I think people would say in the English language is. And I'm going to say it. So if you've got and you know what's coming, it's the c word. If you've mm-hmm. got a kid around, put your fingers in their ears. Can't, which is by the way, I think one of my favorite words. I'm like, I I choose like why why should that be the worst, dirtiest word? Yeah. I think it sounds beautiful. Can't. Like it's just the most amazing word. No, Shakespeare it sounds, used it a lot. It definitely sounds good in an English accent when you use it, Persian. I can definitely tell that you enjoy using it. Relatively <laughs> <laughs> phonetic. For me. I just I wonder if cunnilingus is connect I wonder if the word cunnilingus is connected yeah, to it is. Is it? It must be. It must be. Yeah, yeah. Phon- phonetically. Yeah. Phonetically speaking. God, who knew that name that genital was going to be such like a deep segment? I just did it because it was a bit of a laugh, but actually it's been very educational. I'm, I was going to drop this segment. No, we're keeping it in because this is really interesting. Every time I ask a guest about that, I go, name that genital. And in fact, my last guest, my friend Lucy just went, I went, name that genital. She went, bumhole. <laughs> I was like, you haven't even heard what the what the segment is about yet, but okay, let's go with bumhole. Oh okay. <laughs> oh, I love it. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of ch- take a slightly different tack because I feel like I could stay on name that genital all day, but there's there's more important things to be well. There's other things to move on to now. So, listen, 2020 Armageddon. Some might say the least sexy year ever. What would you say to that? Yeah. Well, look obviously a lot of shit has gone down this year and definitely stress is the biggest killer of our sex lives right if we feel stressed out if we feel anxious then we are thinking about survival we are not thinking about mating right uh you know or or pleasure we're not we don't have the capacity to think about pleasure when we are panicked and stressed and anxious um and so yeah I, I mean definitely at the start of you know all the lockdowns and the craziness when I was uh you know I was pretty scared for the first couple of weeks of this and really thinking oh my god this is going to be really awful for all of our families and and you know and um yeah obviously we won't go down a rabbit hole here but obviously what's turned out to has to have happened is not kind of what we all expected so what i see happening is uh, a real fight right now to have control over our sovereignty and who we are and how we mm-hmm. feel the media and the news are really manipulating how they want us to feel and when you are scared you are easier to control when you are afraid of what's going on in the planet, you are you're way more likely to say yes to things like masks and tracking apps and vaccines and chips and whatever else is kind of coming down the line. So what we're talking about here is really re- like taking back our power of how we want to feel. Because you can't, you can't feel, if you really want to feel sexy, if you want, really want to feel empowered, um, you've got to source that from within. You can't be yeah. constantly looking at, um, you know, everything that's going on in the world and letting that influence 
how you feel every day. You've got to be able to go, okay, that's happening. And I'm going to do what it takes to make myself feel good. So I'm going to do my practices. I'm going to make my home feel like a sanctuary. I'm going to do what it takes to look after my mental health, whether that means um, cutting down time on social media, turning off the news, um, you know, unfollowing certain accounts, uh, committing to a regular yoga practice, uh, you know, connecting with friends, whatever it takes, self-pleasure, obviously, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But um, but yeah, it's it's really about us going, okay, everything's happening out there in the world, yes, and we're a huge part of that. But also, it's I I I maintain my power and my sovereignty when I remember that I am in charge of my reality and I'm in charge of how I allow myself to feel. So if I'm constantly in fear and anxiety, then I'm creating this environment inside my body of stress. Um, and what we can do is we can get addicted to that stress. We can get addicted to that anxiety. Um, especially if we've already got stories of like, Oh my God, everything's crazy. Oh my God, what are we going to do? Uh, if that shows up in other areas of our life, then it's likely that, you know, we will have seen everything happen with COVID and we'll still be in this perpetual anxiety loop, not realizing that we're keeping ourselves in that prison and we can actually step outside of that and let ourselves be free. And this is what like true freedom is really all about coming like really comes from within. And I think I speak for everyone. Um, when I say, you know, there's people aren't really afraid anymore. I think what's, what's really the threat, uh, right now is our control being stripped away, uh, is our power being stripped away as our freedom being stripped away. And, you know, the mass control that is happening and all these different rules and lockdowns that's, that are going on. So, um, I think that's what people are more, uh, in danger of right now. Obviously, obviously COVID is a threat. Uh, but so is, so is every other flu and disease. And so is getting in the car every day, but we do get in the car every day and we risk our lives by being in the car every day. Um, and so, yeah, the point, the point on that, that I really want to make is like, it's, we've got to take our power back and realize that we're in charge of how we allow ourselves to feel every day. Do you know, it's so interesting you say that. So um, I am, I was really not sure whether I should do this, but you've just confirmed that this is absolutely the right thing to do. Last year, I ran something in November called the Naughty November Challenge, and we're running it again this year. And I wasn't sure whether to, because I was like, oh, does it feel right for the tone of year? Because basically what it is about, it's firstly, it's really fun and it's a bit silly. But what was so amazing last year is coming from that lens, what happened to the women? that took part in the challenge because when I've done I've done other challenges which were amazing and they were much more overtly like let's do the deep work this challenge on the surface seemed to be just like bit fun feel sexy and yet my god the power and the energy uh, and how women felt because it was the focus is it's about feeling good in yourself it's about owning who you are it's about owning your power reclaiming that it's about feeling confident it's about feeling magnetic it's not actually about worrying about getting the guy even though that might seem like the reason you might want to do it initially that's actually irrelevant that that's the cherry on top um it's about feeling good and i really believe kind of what you're saying there as well mel is that the most rebellious thing that we any of us can do given the context that each of us find ourselves in right now is to choose to feel good anyway. Mm. And you you do what you've got to do. Like, obviously, you know, disclaimer, like I'm not saying just go and shoot up heroin because, you know, you might feel good for like a few minutes. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you have to work out, take responsibility of like how what feels good to you, what makes you feel good in your skin instead of letting the outer world, whether that is just, you know, obsessing over whether men fancy you or or whether you're, you know, struggling with the, with what we all as a, bloody global um community are finding ourselves in right now like everything is coming to the surface and and actually like I feel like sexuality so obviously I'm, I'm a love coach and I've had I've never been busier than I have this year because who when and how we date has been majorly controlled mm. Boris saying that you know you're not allowed to have sex and and all of these sort of things that it's like sexuality yeah, is being is controlled sex. Boris has not said that. Are you kidding me? Definitely. Someone sent me it. Shut someone up. sent me it. That it was, it was going to be illegal to have sex uh, with Shut someone up. out of your bubble or whatever the fuck it is. 
Yeah. I'm dead. And I mean, the oh thing my is, God. And now I've heard it all. It's like, oh, shut up. Like, now I just, I just can't all. take any of it seriously. Come oh, on now. Like, Come on. Completely lost respect. Anyway, anyway, I digress. I mean, yeah, we could like totally go into a rabbit hole, but let's, let's come back to, okay. So with the premise of, you know, coming back to this idea of being the sexiest woman in any room is simply about choosing to feel good in yourself and in a world where at every point it wants to tell you, particularly as a woman, how you don't deserve to feel that, but you should feel this, but you shouldn't feel that. And, and feeling like, you know, you're constantly, your self-worth is just being chipped away at, chipped out, away at, chipped away at. Mel, how can we feel good in ourselves with regards to sexuality how can we feel good in ourselves right now well the most important thing is that you are actually connected to your body so most of us are living from the neck up we are thinking we are constantly criticizing we are judging we're going about our day thinking what's the right thing i should do what should i do what what is what's right what's wrong we're rationalizing everything we're we're making decisions from our head and that's the world that we live in that's what we've been taught what this is about is really connecting to what's below the neck and really like really listening to your body, connecting with your body and actually like getting to know your body. So, you know, obviously like self-pleasure is a huge piece of this. A lot of women don't even know what their pussies look like. They don't even know. They've not looked. They've not. So, you know, one of the things that I would recommend you do is actually go to bed, grab a mirror and just, you know, look, just gaze into that beautiful flower that's between your thighs and actually make friends with her and just witness what kind of feelings come up. You might experience shame, disgust, maybe even anger or sadness. Um, and as you sit with it longer, you may start to experience love, beauty, connection. And this is something that you can keep doing um, as a practice if it's if it's hard and this may lead to self-pleasure but really the more you're connecting to that sexual energy the more you are allowing yourself this this kind of natural sexual energy to uh to flood through your body uh which then is magnetic so I'm not about like oh you, you know just wear wear some red lipsticks and put on some heels like that's I think that's that's kind of surface and it's kind of faking it which maybe that's what you need right now but like actually connecting to your sexual energy is a different is a different matter you know when do you feel turned on when do you like when do you really experience that turn on and a huge thing that's been really helpful for me uh when I was you know many well many years ago five six years ago maybe I was uh in a relationship where I was being rejected a lot uh, for my sexual desires and my sexual energy and I really took it on as like this personal thing of like there's something wrong with me why why is this happening like there must be something wrong with me I'm not sexy enough I'm not this enough maybe it's my body maybe it's you know and this mantra really helped me and it was I turn myself on I am turned on by my life and I really set out to make my whole life um inspiring for myself. I wanted to make my whole life feel rich, feel like a turn on. I wanted to make myself turned on. I wanted to inspire myself and be my own muse instead of trying to get turned on from things out there, like something that he does or something that he looks like, or this porno or this girl or, or whatever. It's like, how can we really make ourselves the source of our own turn on? Like, what is it about you that makes you so sexy? you know, be turned on by that. Like, yes, I'm a powerful fucking woman. And like actually allowing that to turn you on is really powerful. Mm. Well, I don't know about you, Mel, but I'm fucking turned on right now, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I love that. I think that's so great. So full permission, ladies, whenever you're listening to this episode, masturbation, like, and, yeah. and, it, as an act of self-love like I really uh, I think that this is a like we have always grown up we all like we grow up and it, there's always the jokes about men going off for a wank and like do you know what I mean like masturbating teenage boy none of that was talked about when it came to girls it no. was just like oh yeah girls don't do that like yeah. to the point where I can even sometimes forget that that is an option to me like mm. because it's it's not I'm not conditioned in the same way and mm. sometimes I go oh yeah 
I can yeah. I can have sex with myself. Fucking amazing. Yeah, no, totally. And it's it's actually a real source of um magic and life. Um but you know, on that note, we've all become very accustomed to vibrators and certainly, you know, a lot of yeah. the that I work with are experiencing this kind of vibrator addiction where there's just like they've kind of done so much stimulation of their clitoris with using various different electrical toys that then they don't know they like when they're actually having intimate loving connected sex with a partner they're not experiencing the same pleasure uh, because they're so used to this like overstimulation by these toys so <clears throat> one mm. of the things that I help my clients to do is to actually De, uh, like desensitize and re resensitize. I think it should be resensitize, um, so that you can actually feel more. Um, and a part of that journey uh, for me has been moving away from the electrical toys and moving towards crystal wands, crystal dildos, so that you can actually experience not just the the clitoris, which obviously is very sensitive and has like you know 8,000 nerve endings for all for your pleasure but actually what most women are missing in their lives are deep vaginal orgasms from their g-spot from their cervix you know these are the orgasms that actually feel like you are having a rebirth like these are really euphoric yeah uh, you know, this is yeah. where you learn how to squirt. This is like a different kind of orgasm that I think, I think it's like something, I'm probably going to get these statistics wrong, but I think it's like 60% of women are not having those orgasms. They're just relying on the clitoris. So it's mm. really like learning our own anatomy again and re like, well, not again, but for the first time really. So yeah, absolutely self-pleasure. And, you know, when I first kind of really got into my self-pleasure journey, I was really doing it from quite a masculine space, which is like five minutes, go in, get the orgasm, get out, get crack on with it, out. crack it, crank it out. Exactly. Get on with the day. And, um, you know, I interviewed, uh, Rosie Rees on my podcast the other day and she said, well, would we want a guy to fuck us like that? You know, would we want mm. someone to give us a quick bang and then on with the day? Or, you know, do women really enjoy the long uh, turn on, like the sexuality mm. of it, the foreplay? Like, I fucking, for me, in sex, like, oh my God, the longer I can drag it out, the more wet I am. And I'm the, the same. Best- I'm like, a hundred percent. Me and my friend were talking about this and uh, she says like, this is a generalization, but lads, I hope you're listening to this. Okay. Why is it that so many men, they just go straight to the vagina? Cause it's like, they, they know that they basically want us to go straight to their knob. And I'm like, no, the vagina should be the last port of call. Like mm. you, if you're a woman, if you're not making a woman beg for it, you like, you're going too fast. That's what I think. The best sex is always, it's like, I love the teasing and the seduction, like all of it. And the seduction doesn't even start from when you're touching each other. It's way before that. Mm. Seduction for me um, is is like before Joe's even come home, if I'm like, right, I'm feeling spicy tonight. It's like, how do I spend my time before he gets there? It's preparing myself, you know, Mm. energetically. Um, I just have to say, I'm so glad that you got the word squirt in to this podcast episode because that is the emoji for this podcast is what, what I call is the squirt emoji, the jizz emoji. Yeah. So I'm so glad you got that in. Yeah. And I haven't, I don't know that I've done that, but I'm definitely up for it. <laughs> yeah, it's important. You know, we all have this capacity to squirt, to gush, to ejaculate and uh, when we are super focused only on the clitoris we're not letting ourselves have that so you know with self-pleasure you know what I want to come to this conversation with self-pleasure is is you know really not just doing it so that you have an orgasm but really doing it to cherish your body to love your pussy to learn how you know imagine you're like learning this you're learning to play a new instrument you're not gonna like necessarily play a symphony the first day you've got to like really like understand like how your body works what she likes what she doesn't like and actually give yourself fucking time like give yourself like a imagine what would happen if you gave yourself a whole hour do you know just gonna self-pleasure and I'm not not gonna pressure myself mm. to try and get somewhere 
I'm just going to see what happens. And I'm going to warm myself up and put on a playlist and dim the lights and wear something that makes me feel like a goddess. And I'm going to touch my breasts and I'm going to rub oil on me. And I'm going to make love to myself in the way that I want a partner to, right? So play and exploration is going to feel more like a self-love practice, more like a pamper session. And for me, like my favorite time uh, for that has always been like after a bath. Like I love, you know, where we're at the moment in Costa Rica, we don't have one gutted, but uh, Mm -hmm. it's always, always my favorite time is like beautiful hot bath, making yourself feel so relaxed and pampered and then really beautiful self-pleasure session. And people think there's a misconception that the more you self-pleasure, the less you want to have sex with your partner. It's actually not true. Um, we, yeah, it's the other way around. And we always, we always model it's, it's a real sad, uh, it's sad, but we always model what we think our sex lives should be off of what we've seen with guys or what we think guys want. So with men, if they masturbate and they and they have an orgasm, they come, then they're not going to be able to just like have sex with you that night. It's probably going to take them like a little recovery time, right? To be up for it again, to recharge. Whereas with a woman, when we masturbate, when we self-pleasure, we're actually charging our batteries as we do it, right? We're not yeah. like spending more of thing and then we're exhausted we're actually energizing ourselves. So self-pleasure can actually be a really energizing thing for you to do. It's not something that's going to tire you out. It's something that's going to make you feel more confident, more magnetic, more alive, more healthy. Like it's great for your skin, great for rebalancing your hormones. Um, Just really a great spiritual practice. So if you are meditating every day, um, see how it feels to to masturbate every day and see, see how you feel, right? See how you feel connected to yourself in a different way not not better mm. not better or worse different still still a sacred practice and the thing is doing that that making that part of your commitment to yourself guaranteed you walk into a room you don't have to do anything Mm-mm. it's like my dad's quote that the inner fix book our inner fix book was based around focus on the insides literally and the outsides will take care of themselves you will walk into that room differently like you said you will be more magnetic more luminous you'll be more and because relax like I think Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that um I think gets left out a lot of the spiritual conversation is like the person who's most powerful is actually often the person who's most relaxed and I believe that's same with with when it comes to sex and relationships and dating and you can't force that with someone, but with if you can find a way to relax into yourself, relax into your body, relax into your sexuality, you will emanate so differently because you're not, you know, so often we, we want that partner, we want that person to have sex with us, to validate us, to make ourselves feel better. But if you're getting that nourishment and that validation from inside yourself, you don't need that partner, but you desire them. That's mm-hmm. what's sexy. That yeah. is what's sexy. Absolutely. And it's the same with going back to self-pleasure and to just uh, add to what you've just shared there, which is completely, completely accurate, is that when we are putting all of our uh, sexual needs and desires dependent on a partner, you know, and we're saying, well, I can't, I can't do any of this until I've got a partner. Like, I, I like to be touched like this only when I've got a partner and it's you're really putting a lot on them to to know how yeah. your body works um which kind of can feel like neediness you know and that you know obviously we yeah. all have needs and it's okay to have needs and you should celebrate those needs and it's okay to have it's okay to want other people to meet those needs however if you can understand your needs and meet them then the way at which you arrive to your partner and your sex life is just in such more a complete way, such in more like a nourished whole way. You're not like feeling rejected every time your partner says no, or every time it's not the right time. Cause you're like, you know what? I'm okay. Like I love myself. I know that my body is gorgeous and sexual and sensual and I've already been meeting my needs. So when you know how to do that for yourself, 
everything that you experience with a partner just take just like is like a rocket ship like off you're off in the you're off to Netherlands you know but if you're coming to your partner and expecting to have the most amazing epic orgasms and they you're making them responsible for them without without you actually giving those to yourself or at least be on the journey of exploring that um then it's a lot of it's a lot of pressure on your sex life with your partner mm, I couldn't agree more well there's so much good stuff that you you shared there and um I bloody agree with all of it um, what we're going to do now as we move towards the end of this podcast episode, Mal, we're going in a slightly different direction. Do you remember that Friends episode uh, where they they basically gambled the apartment away? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I do. One of the best episodes. And uh, they have uh, a segment in there called Lightning Round. Well, this oh, is yeah. what we're doing now, okay? <laughs> All things dating relationship. I heard you say that in Ross's voice. <laughs> Oh, really? The lightning round. I wish I had little cards. Maybe I need to make some. So I don't want you, I want you to get out of your head in the spirit of getting into your body. Don't, don't like overthink it. Just go with the first thing that comes to your head. Okay. So biggest love lesson. Self-love. Learn to love yourself for sure. Biggest dating disaster. Uh, going on a first date and him asking me what my ideal wedding would look like. It was so intense. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Crazy. <laughs> I was wow. You're like, mm, not for me. Not for me. Not like me. Most of my first dates, I was like planning, like I was literally like, I wonder what I would, what our kids would look like. <laughs> I haven't even it out loud, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're like mate you need to learn to shut the fuck up come on come on okay now we're playing a game of would you rather Ooh. so would you rather bad boy or good guy uh i mean First thing it's gotta be heard. i mean it's gotta be good guy but reformed bad boy is i think reformed bad boy. <laughs> yeah the bad boy who's on a spiritual now on a spiritual path and is now learning to be a good guy but also made friends with his shadow (laughs) Mm. that is the that is the beautiful spiritual answer to that I absolutely resonate with that okay would you rather on a first date you run into your ex or theirs (laughs) um fuck god uh would I rather run into my ex um my initial response is mine because I don't know I think I would probably handle that better Mm-hmm. Yeah. On a date, would you rather drop a condom or drop a tampon? <laughs> a tampon. Would you rather premature ejaculation or they can't get it up? Uh, probably premature ejaculation. Because at least you know <laughs> it can happen. Yeah. <laughs> Final one. Would you rather fart on a first date or queef the first time you have sex? Ah, oh, queefing. There's nothing wrong with queefing. Good old queef. I didn't even know what queef meant for ages. I think that's another Shakespearean word, by the way. It's a funny fart, in case you're wondering what the fuck a queef is. It's a funny fart. It's totally I've had normal. some really embarrassing ones of those in my time. It's so normal when you've got legs everywhere and everything's wet and juicy. It's so normal. Normalise the queef. <laughs> normalize the queef we should bring that that should be a movement babe let's start it (laughs) okay so on to a slightly slightly more somber topic this section is called breaking bad so okay most painful breakup how did you handle it then how would you handle it differently now oh my god my breakup uh most painful breakup was definitely my divorce uh when I was 25 um oh I was just a mess I was a mess for a long time um I think I because I wasn't getting he his way of dealing with it was to kind of cut 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 off type thing and I because of that went extra like I kind of held all of our emotions and went like I think I like tried to like I tried to like go back a bunch of times and like maybe I've changed maybe I've made the wrong decision and really doubted my decision a lot and it was it was just making things more painful. So um, I think I would have just like really trusted myself more 
um, and not try to be friends with him afterwards. I was like doing this thing where I was like, maybe we can just be really good friends. And no, it was just like a, no, don't do that. And why was I doing that? I don't know. I was just trying to, you know, that was how I, how I was trying to deal with it. And it was not, it wasn't helpful for either of us for me to try and do that. It just Mm. wasn't a way. I always say most important thing in a breakup, six months, no contact. Yeah. Six months because, because it is literally like having a wound and you just keep picking at it and picking at it and picking at it. You have got to give yourself time to, to get it out your system. I do believe you can be friends with exes. I mean, bloody my ex-boyfriend I wrote a book about and Joe are best friends like, and he's an usher at our wedding. It's nuts. But, um, it, it, like, I think I do think that's possible, but only when you have both fully healed from it. And that's yeah. the key. And most people, the problem that most people hate their exes is often because you try and stay in contact and then you end up sleeping together and then it gets really messy and really toxic to the point where you absolutely hate each other. And it doesn't need to be like that, mm-hmm. you know, because most of my exes, like we were best friends first, like, and uh, like I, I, I valued their friendship and I am friends with a lot of them now. But as I said, there's got to be space. There has got to be space. So yeah, that's a good thing that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, oh, I, I kind of know what you're, how you're going to respond to this, but this segment is called Word on the Cheat. This divides people, this section. Well, have you been cheated on or uh, cheated? What are your thoughts around it? Um, yeah, uh, both in the gray area. So, um, I think a lot of people, there's a lot of different kind of ideas of what cheating actually is, uh, what it, Mm. what it means to different people. Like to some people, it's like sleeping with a different person in terms of actually like sleeping with, with another person. Um, I think that's like, that's like a real thing, you know, I've not had that happened to me or I've not done that to someone else but I have definitely emotionally cheated and I've had mm. someone cheat on me in a in a kind of way that I would see it as cheating but maybe they didn't type thing so this kind of mm. gray area but yeah of course mm. we've all been through it and it's mm. fucking the worst I would not oh my god I would not wish that on anyone and also I think it's just as it's so um awful to be the person that's actually doing it as well because there's so much yeah. um shame and actually like oh god just no just I, I just yeah it's it's something that just thinking about it makes my body just feel like physically sick because it's, it's that feeling of betrayal and I think it doesn't get talked about enough because it is it is so the, the shame around because you know you feel horrific shame if you've been cheated on but yeah like you said like as I was total cheating addict it was I would just, like that's I that was my pattern that was my biggest addiction cheating I the thrill of it the naughtiness it enabled me to sabotage my relationship and and I and I do think I actually think it's a gray area like I I tried to be on that sort of like black and white about it but I just you know, it, there's such a spectrum. And I think that the only way to is, is always just to come back to you and your relationship with you and, and listen to your gut and your intuition. Like that's, that's basically my perspective. I've seen relationships recover from it. But it's, I think the key is, is like, you got to know, like, do I want to be here yeah. in the first part? And then you have to both go on your individual journey around it. It can actually end up being a positive thing. I've seen that happen before. Um, I think we just should not be scared to talk about it, you know? Um, and, and yeah, like I have to say, like, I'm, I'm glad that I made all those mistakes. I feel awful that I did and I hurt a lot of people, but it's ended up, it, you know, it's been, it's been my redemption story really. Um, so yeah, cheating, gray area. That's the summary. That's mine and yeah, Matt's take on well, it. Okay. This is. A- yeah, it is. It is. But also there's just so it's, I, I feel it's this, you know, the worst thing you can do to another person. So it's definitely, um, it's, it's a lot to expect people to want to share that. And also, to, you know, a lot of people, you know, some clients that I am working with have experienced it in current, in the current relationship they've, that they've chosen to stay in. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's not just about, I think I think definitely couples can recover from it. I do want to say that, but it's got 
Yeah. It's got to be like a real willingness to work at it from both people and really like taking responsibility. But then I've also seen um, in clients that I work with, couples recover from it. But then let's say the cheating was done on his side. The woman cannot fully let go and years and years yeah. and years will pass and and forgiveness has not truly there's not the healing really hasn't been done because there's she, she's still holding on to it which is so hard um and it's so hard to to let go of that because you know especially if we have experienced uh you know our dads or our caregivers our male caregivers do that and we've kind of experienced that then we've got this image of men do this and men do that and this is how it is and so really got to watch out for like what it, what the image of our partners are that we're seeing them as um you know do we allow them to be human like you know is it okay for my partner to find other people attractive which is a very human thing you know what are our boundaries in in our relationship like you know Rick and I have had these conversations before where it's like well how would you feel if um, I gave someone my number or how would this make you feel if someone asked me to go for a coffee uh, as a friend like what does that like what, like all these kind of different things where some people would see that as a problem and some people would be totally okay with that you know how how would you feel about me having um other women that are close to me or me having other men that I go out and have dinner with sometimes uh, you know what are these lines for you in your relationship and that's I think really important so that you both know yeah. where does where would my partner feel betrayed or not because it doesn't matter if you say you go out for say you go out for dinner and drinks with a with another guy that's not your partner and you might think well we're just friends but that guy that is going out with you actually finds you attractive and wants to kind of have a foot in the door and you might you might pick up well come on you probably do pick up on this I think women know when when other guys find us attractive so if you think well I'm not cheating I'm not doing anything wrong that's one thing but if you're if you know that actually your partner would feel betrayed by you doing that then mm -hmm. then you are cheating because you're actually betraying your partner's trust but this is why I think it's important that you have these conversations right like because we all have different definitions of like what's going to make me feel betrayed is not what's going to make you feel betrayed you might you know your partner might be going for dinner with different women every week and you're like oh yeah it doesn't matter they're just friends whatever or you might feel super threatened threatened by that and that's just like one example but obviously there's like texting uh you know I know a lot of people get upset when their partner's like liking pictures or following certain people on Instagram, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of gray area with this. And I think it's just really important that in this conversation of cheating, that you're actually with, you're on the same page as your partner. So you know what qualifies as a betrayal of trust versus what is, what are we both okay with? And you can't be doing double standards. You know, if it's okay for him, then it's okay for you. And you can't kind of say, well, you can't do that, but then you go off and do the exact same thing. So yeah, that's more, I feel more complete with, with what I wanted to share on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I concur, concur with everything. Honesty, transparency, key word in a healthy conscious relationship, transparency. Um, on to a slightly more uncouth, I don't know if that's the right word for this segment, boil that bunny. Do you remember the film um, Fatal Attraction with Glenn Close? Basically, this is about a woman who, uh, she, he, Michael Douglas basically has an affair with Glenn Close. He's married. And uh, then he basically is not interested in Glenn Close. And she she becomes like obsessive psycho. And she boils a bunny and puts it on his stove. So I've had, <laughs> I've had clients tell me some fucking like crazy things they've done when they've been betrayed or cheated on or broken up with. Like, you know, key the car you know, stalking the new girl. Um, one former client called uh, her ex 187 times in a row. Have you, what's the worst thing you've ever done in terms of maybe some psycho obsessive behavior? Or are you like, no, actually I was, I was, I didn't do that sort of thing ever. Um, let me think. Once I, uh, is that a psycho obsessive thing? No, it's not. I mean, obviously like I've stalked. Like I think we all do that. 
I've like stalked and stalked and stalked until my eyes felt like they were going to bleed. Um, I've definitely called a lot of times and, you know, had that anxiety and that kind of obsessive, like waiting for them to like read the message or waiting for that blue tip mm-hmm. to come through. Um, and mm-hmm. that like devastatingly long wait where you're just like, please start typing. <laughs> uh, that's kind of coming through. And then another thing is like a, a short relationship that I had um, after my divorce, which you know oh, about Persia because it was when I sought out your I've lost your sound. Help. Oh, there was a particular I don't book, know if you can hear me. Particular Neil Strauss book. Oh no, the game. I'm sure people know about Something the game. Weird's happened. And um, oh, you're back. I lost your sound for a minute there, oh, really? but you're back. Yeah. Oh, where did you hear? Where don't did worry, you hear? Back. Okay. Uh, I don't even know because I was going ah. Uh, I didn't hear the story. Okay. There, yeah, it's okay. I don't think I don't. I don't no, know. you're like maybe that wasn't meant to be shared. That wasn't meant to be shared. <laughs> wasn't meant to be shared. Okay, right. So we're coming into land now. So quickly, three deal. This segment is deal makers and deal breakers. So three biggest turn ons, three biggest turn offs. Uh, biggest three biggest turn ons. Um, definitely when my partner is right out of the shower. Mm. Or when he is just in a workout. Mm, delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, another turn on would be, um, you know, what turns me on is actually going out without any pants on. <laughs> I do that quite a lot and it's I find it so Yes. Oh, do you know what? I might fucking try that. I always forget about that one. Do you know what my friend once did? This was when we were teenagers. This was like one of the fucking, I think, the sexiest, most boss moves ever. She went up to the guy that she was like, I think I can't remember if she was dating him or she was in a relationship with him. We're at a party and she just went and she just put her knickers in his pocket. <laughs> I was like, that's fucking amazing. I think I tried to do that, but I completely fucked up because I was too drunk and I probably, I think I dropped them on the floor or something. <laughs> Dog probably run off with them. So make sure you like, make sure there's no dogs around and just make sure that you, you have to style that out well, that one. But ladies, if you're feeling confident, go and put your knickers in. Not just some random as pocket. <laughs> that might be weird. Um, so, my love. Uh, oh, lastly, we've got a, a quick question from Lizzie who writes, um, I can tend to feel really unsexy during the festive season due to too much drinking and too much eating. Any tips? Mm, I mean, the first thing that comes through is just like, it's it's sexy to be connected to your body so you know we see the christmas period as just this kind of free ticket to just binge and pig out and you know it's okay because we're all just like lay around in jumpers just feeling gross and like if you want to feel sexy during christmas if you want to feel great in your body then yeah there's no reason you know that's all just a story of like we all just eat three times our body weight at christmas if you don't want to mm-hmm. feel like that in your body, then, you know, listen to your body and actually like, you know, practice intuitive eating, practice mindful eating, keep moving your body over the Christmas period. Um, oh. You know, create like a she's frozen. playlist, dance. I think she's going to be back in a minute. Self-care. Like there's no, there's oh, no real reason she... why Christmas should feel, uh, why you should feel link? less sexy at Christmas than any other Can you hear time me, Mel? Year. Mel, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Mel? Well, my loves, Hello? Mel is uh, broadcasting live from Costa Rica, which means that Hi. maybe, um, and she's, oh, that's definitely just closed down. So, you know what? Fortunately, we were coming to the end of that episode, and I'm just going to have to style it out, my love. So, Mel, even though you can't hear this, thank you so much. I bloody love this chat, as always. Um, if you want to find out more about Mel's work, you can go over to her website, melwells.com. Um, she has got all sorts of juicy uh, tips and blogs and um, content for you around the topics of dating, relationships, um, and predominantly sexuality. So head over to her now. Um, and yeah, my loves, I hope you have enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Sorry, we've had some technical difficulties, but such is life. The show must go on. So with that, remember, my darlings, love is coming for you. It really is. So enjoy the fucking journey. Godspeed. Love you lots.
And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. Now, if you want to seriously turn up the heat in your love life as we snowball towards the festive season, I hope you'll join us for my famous, or should I say infamous, five-day Naughty November Challenge, starting Monday the 9th of November. It's 100% free and so saucy that not even COVID can contain it. I guarantee that by the end of the challenge, you will feel more attractive, seductive, alluring, enchanting, tantalizing, tempting, and not just desirable to your dream man under the mistletoe, but irresistible. Head to getyoursoulmate.com forward slash naughty hyphen November to find out more. The link is also in the show notes to this podcast episode. On that note, if you got value from this episode, I would be so grateful if you'd like, share, subscribe and leave me a review to help the podcast rank higher so that it can reach other people who want or need the support. So see you next week, my love. I release a new episode every Tuesday. But until then, remember, love is coming for you. So surrender to the festival that is life on planet Earth and trust that what misses you was not meant for you and what's meant for you will not miss you, including your soulmate.